Hey everyone, it's Mark. This week's episode is sponsored by Littlefoot Coffee. They are my favorite coffee company. So if you head on over to littlefootcoffee.com, you can use promo code MARK, M-A-R-C, and save 10% off your order. Or if you really like coffee, sign up for their coffee subscription service and save 20% off your first month. That's littlefootcoffee.com. Use promo code MARK. And on to this week's episode of the Think Differently podcast. From Chicago, Illinois, this is Think Differently a show that explores people who are challenging the status quo and how they do their work and choose to live their life. From doctors and designers to entrepreneurs and artists, hear the stories, learn the insights, and see what it takes to think differently. Hey everyone, it's Mark. Welcome to episode 20 of the Think Differently podcast. Uh, I have goosebumps on my arm. I have a smile on my face because I just got done interviewing Larry Deutsch. Larry and I met, well, you'll hear the story how we met in the episode. Uh, Larry is a calm, collected, just thoughtful, and really intelligent ad agency mega superstar. He has worked and held senior positions at some of the world's largest global agencies, helping some of the biggest brands in the world to come up with creative ideas. And just last September, he and two other mega superstars launched their own boutique marketing agency, DVK Marketing, with the idea of being bold, helping brands be bold. What's unique and, and really exciting about Larry is A, he, he's just kind, he's he's super thoughtful, he's super unique, but he has two main kind of things that I think about with him. One is that he's kind of this Don Draper ad agency, big idea, global influence, but he has local roots. See, Larry's parents had a small family business, a luggage uh, store in Chicago, and he grew up learning these lessons from his father. And his father, uh, you know, unfortunately passed last year, and we talk a little bit about that in the episode, but the lessons that he learned uh, growing up in the small family business, things like integrity is what you do when no one is watching, ideas like act like you own the place, just these big ideas that were instilled in him from his childhood that has help him be local, but act globally. And again, you can go to any store, turn on any channel on the TV, look at anywhere in any store, and you'll see somewhere something that Larry has helped influence. Again, he is a mega superstar in the world of marketing. So needless to say, Larry Deutsch thinks differently about being bold. Enjoy the episode, everyone. Hey, Larry. Mark, how you doing? I'm very excited. I, I've been waiting for this episode. You and I have been communicating for a while now, being like, hey, when can we make it happen? And we're finally making it happen. So thank you for your time. Well, thank you. Proud to be in the company you've been keeping. It's been a great series so far, and I hope to continue on that. Thank you, brother. You know, it's funny as we were talking before we jumped on about just the whole new world that COVID has presented to us and, you know, those, 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 those victories, even like, you know, before COVID, I could be walking downtown and I could, I could make somebody's day by giving a tourist directions to the bean down in Chicago. And those little things are just, they're harder to come by a little bit here, but you sent me a note the other day about just like that you had listened to the podcast and you had listened to like all the episodes. And I was like, Larry Deutsch is listening to every episode of my podcast. Like I almost, that, that gave put enough gas in the tank for another three months, man. So thanks for your support for sure. Well, my pleasure. You're, you're my podcast crush and uh, <laughs> so much credit. I'm, I'm inspired by each one and uh, meeting, meeting and learning about a lot of new people and, and businesses. So kudos to you, my friend. 
Thank you so much. You know, I think back to how you and I first met. And one thing that resonates with me is, um, you know, I grew up going to a lot of Grateful Dead shows. And I remember I saw a bumper sticker on an old hippie van at a, in the parking lot of a Grateful Dead show in Chicago. And it said, strangers are just friends we haven't met yet. And I think back to how you and I met. It was at a, an event for Chicago Innovation. Uh, it was at the new IIT, uh, you know, Innovation Center. And I was just walking through the crowd, you know, talking to strangers. And I just happened to see your name tag. And it had a company name on it. And I knew somebody that worked there. And I just, without even putting a professional lens on it, I was like, oh, my gosh, do you know so-and-so? And you're like, I actually do know so-and-so. And, like, that's just how we met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I remember it like it was yesterday, and thankfully it was pre-COVID, so we could actually be at a live event, right? Yeah. And, and funny you mentioned the Grateful Dead. That's uh, your know, first concert I ever attended of any significance. So funny you take me back to that mind space. Uh, <laughs> and it's another story for another day. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, and I I think about it all the time. I tell people that story, Mark, and I said, man, if I had turned right instead of left, we would have never met. You know, we would have. Uh, and it just speaks to uh, you just never know when uh, new friends and, and, and uh, new relationships can begin. So uh, I'm forever grateful for Chicago Innovation for bringing us together. Definitely. And you know what's interesting is that um, you say if, if I had turned right instead of left, I think a lot about your story because one thing my, my parents always preached to me was that you should never be afraid to talk to anybody because everybody, you know, they put their pants on one leg at a time and everybody sits down, you know, to go number two. And had I known who I was talking to at the time when I came out just like an exuberant child, like, oh my gosh, I didn't know who you were. I didn't know what to do. And I think after that, I was like, whoa, I went and looked you up. I was like, oh my goodness. So, you know, for people that don't know, and I, I talk about you a lot, I, I actually say that like your name, your story comes up a lot in conversations that I have as reference. Because when I think of, of you, Larry, I think of like this really, this really genuine mix of like Chicago, like local Chicago but like global influence in just, you know, very meticulous execution. Um, and so I think one way maybe to start it off is that, you know, you have worked with and have uh, influenced some of the most largest brands on the planet. You have seat, like your resume, your rap sheet kind of lead, reads as like a, a, to, you know, a bucket list for some people. You've worked at some of the biggest, you know, kind of marketing agencies in the planet in very senior roles doing high level work. But at the core, as we've talked about, you're a local Chicago guy. You grew up in a family business, you know, here in Chicago. So um, why don't we tell people right now, what are you up to now in the world? And then we'll back it up because I think the way that you got there is really awesome. So what are you up to nowadays? Well, thank you. And I think what I'm doing now is a, is a, a direct result of everything that preceded, right? Every chapter built sure. on the previous. Uh, last August, August 1st of 2019, uh, I launched uh, my own agency, DVK, with two wonderful partners, Doug Van Andel and Adam Kaplan, the three of us had worked together previously. Uh, together, we are a, a collective uh, mix of left and right brain. Uh, we all think that way. It's not that, that just one strategy and one's planning and one's creative. We are all strategically and creatively engaged, and we're all about building business. You know, we're all about the outcome, not the output. Um, and uh, we have great experience in terms of our collective uh, resumes, but had an, uh, an opportunity uh, to launch our own shop, had a vision about what it meant to be, to be bold, 
in today's uh, marketplace and culture and um, couldn't be happier, haven't looked back, uh, even through the pandemic, um, really haven't missed a beat uh, with the partners we've been proud to engage and really uh, a lot of pride and joy building building our own thing after years of doing that work on behalf of those great agencies that you referenced. So what's, what's really cool. And, you know, uh, as all the times we talked, like just as you have this local element to you, both this, this very global, you know, kind of view and reach, you know, I'm always like, got this, like, maybe like an innovation chip on my shoulder. Like I always just want to hustle and do it and do it. And one thing that you and I've talked about that's really unique about DVK, uh, and I think that it might just be a, a, an outcome of, of time and of opportunity and that perfect storm, is that traditionally marketing happens in a, in a pretty systemic way in these larger organizations, right? Lots of people on the project, the client doesn't really get to talk to, you know, kind of the owner, the, the most senior people. There's always like this, these buffers in between. And one thing I've heard you say about DVK is that one, you say bold is beautiful and you're helping these people be bold. But two is that it's a, it's a boutique, but with this very like, global reach. So what is it about the boutique, that smaller kind of experience that you found people actually want? Yeah. And thanks for asking. And, and they do want it. And, and we're getting great response in the marketplace. It's the hands-on engagement, right? That the, that not just the owners, but you know, that we're doing the work, right? We're not delegating it. We are actively engaged, not just in the work, but our client's success. And starting with, you know, what's the end goal? And the end goal is typically growth, right? And that's how our first relationship started. It was an organization that wanted to grow two times from their current base. So when you know that that's the end game, then what's it going to take? And it took, it's something going to take bold thinking and bold vision. And um, very much like your podcast, you know, it's challenging the status quo, right? Because if we don't challenge the status quo and everything's fine, then there's no need to change. But typically, even the most successful companies need to think differently to use your say the agility that comes with that, that the ability to be engaged and yes, you know, to do in weeks, maybe what it might take others to do months because people, clients don't want bureaucracy. They don't want process. Those might be means to ends process specifically, but to know that we can get there thoughtfully, but quickly uh, with uh, without unlimited resources, is, is, is special. And the quality of the work is great, uh, even if it's on a fast track. And the quality of the work for us and what's enriching to us, but also ideally the quality of the work that we're delivering for our partners. There must obviously, you know, being on your own, as we know, like there are inherent obstacles to overcome. There are just kind of, you know, necessary evils, if, if you will. Um, and some of those things might present themselves um, as stress, right? deadlines, budgets to work within, you know, bringing a, extrapolating a vision out of someone's head. Um, have you found that the stresses or the challenges being in a boutique setting, working directly with the client, are they different? Are they the same as kind of that large, you know, kind of where you'd come from those large organizations? It's a great question. Let me answer it twofold. One, I have to cite a quote that I, I, I cite and I, and I, it's uh, from Lester Wonderman, the iconic, uh, uh, creator of direct marketing, who I had the pleasure of working for and with and in his organization. And he once turned to a group of us and I was next to him literally at the table and proud to be there. He said, um, stress is something you can control 
you know, distress is something you can't. Um, so honestly, um, not stressed. In fact, very liberated. I think it's, mm -hmm. it was, it's stressful trying to deliver for any organization, but um, I think that perhaps had I tried to do this uh, earlier in life, perhaps when children were younger and, you know, different need state, perhaps more stress at that time. But, you know, I think things happen for a reason, right time, right place. Uh, this has been a relatively stress-free endeavor. And I would tell you that when I entered into it, and I entered into it with Doug and Adam, uh, because of our model, which is very much a collaborative model with subject matter experts and partners, we're not trying to build a 100-person agency. We're, we, we've built a different model. Uh, I thought that the access to those experts might not be as fluid and agile, uh, but I've been pleasantly surprised by just how much it is. Uh, and I think that's a testament to our collective reputations and, and the network that we have and the network we've quickly built and are adding to literally on a daily basis because we're very eager to um, collaborate. And collaboration has been an essential part of our model. Um, and I think that's helped to really uh, call it ease the stress. So, so for people that might not be in this world, and I'm thinking right now, actually in my head, I'm thinking about uh, my aunt Cindy. She texts me all the time, listening to your episode out for my morning walk, and she's not in the ad world. She's not in the marketing world. And so for clarity, agencies exist as large uh, operations with kind of like a, a, a flow chart, right, of senior level executives. And then there's people that are actually doing the work or managing the account. And there's this like... a it's like a cruise ship. It's like a cruise ship, right? It's big and there's lots of people. And what I'm hearing from you is that you've built a new model to get the same work done. And the model is you've got the three of you, you and your two, you know, other co-principals and founders, and you are actually doing the branding work with these companies. And as needed, you say, oh, hey, uh, you know, let's, let's reach out to Susan. Susan could help us with this. And Susan comes in for a little bit. You collaborate, you, you know, she's the expert. And then when the project's done, she might bounce onto something else. Is, is that an accurate way to portray it? Yeah, very accurate. And, and it's very much uh, custom built. That's a big part of our proposition is that we're going to bring the best talent we can bring based on the needs and custom build around each client's respective needs because some needs may be heavier into their brand story. Others might have need help in their innovation pipeline. You know, mm -hmm. So those are very two different needs and requirements that fall under marketing. And something you alluded to earlier that I didn't want to lose sight of is how marketing is becoming more cross-functional and organizational-wide. And maybe that's something we can talk about some more later, because uh, I think it's a really important change that's happening in the marketplace. But yes, custom building the teams, cherry-picking talent, and not resting on, well, we always have to go to the same people on the bench. You know, we can mm -hmm. change the bench, and we're, we're constantly bringing new people along and engaging with new people so that we're not uh, resting on laurels and just, you know, settling, if you will, for the, the usual uh, known talent. So, so two questions about that. One is, you said you've been pleasantly surprised when you're bringing the, you know, kind of these people in, but I think if you were to go back even 10 years ago, where like, quote, the gig economy, meaning people are working on lots of different things and getting excitement and fulfillment while also bringing in income. That wasn't as, as big even 10 years ago, certainly not 20 or 30 years ago, where the idea was you go to a place to do that job and that's a job that you do. So how have people been like, I guess the, the better question is when you bring somebody in and they're on a project for you a little bit and then they jump out, like, what's that experience like from their vantage point? Is this something where people are managing multiple projects and just kind of popping in and out? What's it like from, from their vantage point? 
Yeah, well, it's a great question. And I think that uh, the key here is, you know, nothing I want to do is transactional. And I think that there's something I really uh, dis despise is any kind of transactional relationship. Uh, we want to be the best partner we can be for anybody. And, and because you're right, the, the gig economy has changed the access to talent. And there are these wonderfully talented people who may be homeschooling their kids right now, mm -hmm. uh, or they elected to uh, to work from home and do their own thing, or for whatever reason, they're working this way. We are very respectful of their life. Is this a good time for you? Is, can you take on this project? When can you meet? You know, we know that you tipping mornings are good for you, so we'll schedule meetings in the morning. And you know, whatever life events are, are throwing, being thrown their way, we're very respectful of that. And because we're focused on a quality game, not a quantity game, that we're, we're gonna take on work that is enriching to us and in, in keeping with our bold vision. And we're gonna engage with partners that we wanna work with in repeat fashion. Uh, we don't wanna just have a one and done. You know, I think that the freelance model is a little bit transactional. It's like you need a quote unquote wrist. Mm -hmm. um, we don't wanna work that way. And I think that our partners would attest to the fact that we treat them with care and, and with soul and are respectful of their lives now more than ever, but even pre-COVID, uh, we, we treated them the way we would like to be treated. And that goes a long way that whether it's a, a, a periodic or episodic project or a sustained or an ongoing one, that the, the experience with us and with each other is win-win. Is, is so essentially what I'm hearing is um, it's the golden rule right? Yeah. It said, treat people the way you want to be treated. Do unto others the way you'd have others do unto you. That is a hard lesson to learn late in life. And I know for you, it wasn't learned later in life, but rather it was instilled from the beginning. And so a few things you said there about, you know, kind of, again, treating people the way that you want to be treating, not being transactional, but being relational, being very conscious of what people's needs and how you can help fulfill those needs. I think, uh, I think here's a good time to start going back to where did that come from? And I, and I know, uh, you know, rest in peace, your, your father who passed last year um, was a huge influence on your life. You know, having, having grown a, a family business here in Chicago, I even get goosebumps. I literally, if people if I ever publish the video to this, they'll see the goosebumps. But I do get goosebumps when I really think about where these morals, these ethics, these values, where this idea of how to treat people came from. So, Take me back, man. Take me back to like, you know, Taylor Street, Chicago, growing up. Where did all of this like just goodness come from in your life? Well, it's very kind of you, Mark. And yeah, I'm very proud of the family brand that I'm, I'm part of. And it does go back to, yes, our parents. And back to the business started with my grandfather, one counter in 1921 in a hardware store. That's where it all began back when people actually bought steamer trunks. Uh, and and I, you don't see those anymore, that's for sure. But yeah, my father my, and my mother and, and my, one of my brothers built and ran a family luggage and leather goods and gifting business. It was called Deutsch Luggage. Uh, it started on Van Buren Street, back before the South Loop had its renaissance, I can assure <laughs> you. Uh, and I could, we could talk for an hour about that alone. But, um, you know, I think, Growing up, yes, what it means to have your name on the door. And I, I shared this recently that, you know, my father is a man of few words. Um, my mother was a little more uh, uh, long-winded. And I think I get a little <laughs> bit of that from her, those who know me well. But I think I got both uh, from them, which is my father was a no-nonsense businessman, but he, he was always um, 
kind, kind to his employees, um, and would give the shirt off his back. Uh, my mother was patient to, a, uh, you know, to no end and would help somebody and was a personal shopper for, for her cu customers before there was a personal shopper. But, you know, my father said, act like you own the place. And what he meant was, you're not the boss. You're not in charge because it's your name on the door. Just, you know, what does it mean to be an owner? You know, and whether that means picking up a piece of garbage on the floor or cleaning, you know, the counters uh, or literally we joke about this in my family going in the basement to dust train cases. Uh, you know, that's where it, you know, it was really, and candidly, um, it's kind of like the Herb Brooks uh, school of coaching, right? Being tougher on your captain than, you know, to make an example, he was tougher on me than he was the employees to show that, you know, uh, just because you were family doesn't mean you, you could skirt, you know, responsibility. But it was just a level of accountability and pride in name and pride in when you, you, you did call somebody or they did walk in the store that your name meant something. And, uh, and over the years, I would run into people who had no, didn't put two and two together. In fact, many people here at Deutsch, they think Donnie Deutsch in our business, you know, but when, <laughs> oh, are you related to? And I take great pride in that. So yes, uh, it all starts with family. And if there is one thing to know about me and everybody in, in our family, there's nothing, nothing more important. And, uh, and that defines everything of, you know, who we are and uh, very, very, you were getting goosebumps. I was welling up as you're talking about my dad. It's, it's, yeah. it's again, I'll, I'll just leave it at that, but it's definitely where it all started and taught me everything in life about customer service and patience and, uh, you know, yes, what it meant to sell, but to sell in a, in a need-based way, in a customer service way, not just to make a transaction. So, so do you think that with, with DVK, because one thing you said is that, you know, you act like you own the place, whether that means sweeping up, picking up a piece of garbage, doesn't matter whose name is on it, you have to have the pride in it. And, you know, I, I don't want to project too much, but you know, I, I, I think that there might be this notion that once you get um, a certain level of executive seniority under your belt, that sometimes the work gets pushed, to, doesn't get pushed to somebody else, but sometimes organizations, companies are set up so that, you know, the EVP is not sitting in front of the computer doing the design, right? They're not doing the, the, the interviewing or what have you. But what I hear you saying is that at DBK, that is actually the case. You and your partners are three very, you know, well-respected globally in your industry as being some of the, the biggest and the baddest and the best at what you do, but you're actually doing the work, right? You might bring in, you know, a partner here, you're actually doing it. Do you think that's, that's because of where you came from and the lessons that were taught you growing up? I think for speaking for myself, absolutely. But speaking for Doug and Adam as well, I think that that's the nature of how we're all wired. We thrive on doing the work. And, you know, it's, it's funny in, in, in companies and agencies specifically, I think there's a tendency you promote people that they stop doing what they're, they love and what they're great at. So this isn't work for us. We love this. I was answering an email this morning at 630 on a very challenging situation. And it's like, that's what we're here to do, you know? And, um, so it's, it's not getting handed off. We're not just a filter to bring in freelancers to do the work. No, they know we're doing the work. We're on the calls, we're in the room, uh, we're presenting to their leadership and we're helping them to, to find their bold voice and guide them. And um, it's, it's the way we just, the way we're wired 
and, and where we get great enrichment as in our profession, and I think where we're adding great value. And candidly, yes, there's an agency model out there that is designed to push work to lower levels for building rates and profitability. And you know what? It's a model that's been very successful over the years, and it's still going to be there, and there are companies that still need that. But we're, what we're finding is an appetite for this model and this level of engagement and accountability and, uh, and work. Okay, so this totally makes me think of, because in my head, I picture, it's so odd, I picture this like poster from, I guess it would have been the late 80s, the Dream Team, where like Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Reggie Miller, like all the best in the NBA were together on one team on the Olympics. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of like what DBK is. You took like the best of the best and now you're actually there doing the work. The other thing, you know, kind of aligned with sports is I was just watching an episode of The Last Dance, right? The documentary, you know, obviously uh, on the last season of the, the legacy Chicago Bulls. And one thing that was so clear and I've read some books by Phil Jackson, right? The legendary coach about the triangle offense and really the mentality and how he, how he approached basketball, very different than everybody else. Um, and I kind of am thinking that maybe one element of your learning and the formation of who you are and how you go about your life and business was your early days in the family business, right? And just growing up in that. Mm -hmm. And then the second kind of phase, maybe if you will, was working at these large global agencies, seeing the model that now you're, you're, you've built a different model, but you couldn't have built the DVK model had you not gone through the larger model. And so I think that's an interesting influence where you've seen and maybe been able to take the best elements of the model that you were in to create this, this new model. No doubt. No doubt, all the all the credit to what's preceded us. You know, you know the what's the yes adage, right? You know, you're kind of built on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. built on the shoulders of Young and Rubicam and Wonderman and Ogilvy and Havas and and proud of it and Doug's work at Saatchi and Adams at FCB and the, the three of us meeting at Blue Chip previous to this, and um, every one of those experiences has has steeled us for this, right? Uh, but now in a position to really do it for ourselves without the net of a larger organization. And it's right time, right place for it in our respective life stages, but also I think in the marketing industry. And, um, you know, coming back to your Jordan analogy, you know, I, I like to say that the only comparison I ever made to Michael Jordan and myself is I have a love of the game clause, you know, and that we love this. We love, we love creative problem solving. We love helping clients to grow. We love helping them to change. We love helping them, you know, challenge their status quo. And um, that never gets old, right? No matter how long we've been doing this, but absolutely um, without the experience behind us, um, you know, it's a different, it's a different entity. It's a different offering. And, uh, but there's a reason that we're here and there's a reason the three of us came together and that we're having the, you know, the joy and the success that we are today. Yeah, I, I hear it, man. I really do. Like when we talk and even now, like I can see you lighting up and I can see, I mean, you, I think, uh, as you said, you and your partners are, are, you know, kind of some are right brain, some are left brain, what have you. But like, you know, where I kind of get shot out of the cannon, ready to go, like you're, you, you come across always as calm, collected, thoughtful, you know, very, very, very caring. And I guess what I'm thinking about is like, there's an excitement 
to like what you're doing right now. I, I do remember when we talked and you were getting ready to, to launch DVK and, you know, similar to what you just said, like, hey, the time was right. It's this perfect storm. We've got great partners. We're going to do it. Uh, standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, a, a question that I have, and it might be personal, you don't have to answer, but we can certainly edit it out, is that I know that going on your own, um, as we talked about the risk and the stress, it's just different. It's not for everybody. And you, as you said before, family is the most important. So what was the reaction from family to going in on your own after being, you know, really, uh, you know, just a legacy in the marketing world? What, what was that like kind of at the house? Yeah. Well, you know, my kids, they're young adults. I, I shouldn't call them kids, but uh, <laughs> you know, they're, you know they, they, at the time, 31, 29, and 26, and two of them in the business, they couldn't have been happier for me. Okay. Uh, and they've, they've seen, you know, and I, I was never one to try to, you know, I tried not to bring work home with me, if you will, in the pre, you know, because I wanted to make sure that uh, I was there for all the activities and, and as present as I could be. And quite honestly, uh, you know, I could have been more present over the years. Uh, but, you know, you do your best as a, as a, as a young parent, but um, they couldn't have been happier. And, uh, and I think that they knew as well. It's like time to, to do something different, to do one's own thing. And um, I, I obviously want to make them proud you know, and uh, proud the two have entered the marketing field and a third is in finance. Um, but never, like me, I was given the privilege to pursue my own path, not just stay in the family business. And I remember exactly where I was when I had that conversation with my parents. Uh, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, for those who know me and my family, it was at a Blackhawks game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In between, in between periods, uh, which in our family is as appropriate as place as any for a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. So uh, and those that know my family know that my parents were season ticket holders for 60 years and were the famous Kiss Cam couple. But that's, again, a, another story for another day. Uh, don't get me started. But um, <laughs> no, the family was nothing but supportive and, and uh, they they... We, we wish, you know, we want each of us to, you know, be joyous. So like I said, that, you know, giving them the, the permission to find their own path. I never forced them to go into marketing. Um, they found their way, stand on their own two feet. And, uh, and my son who elected, you know, from an accounting to now a finance career, and I couldn't be happier for them. Um, I wanted to just capture something for, uh, you know, I heard this yesterday and I want to give credit to somebody who, uh, somebody who I was helping in transition who, uh, I've been doing a lot of time. You, this, this phase in life, Mark, is really offering a lot of independence, the ability to spend time in helping others, right, and, and giving back, you know, in a way that's enriching. And, and she put it really well. She said, you know, there's three, three trimesters in a, in a career. There's your learning, your proving, and your, your sharing. And, um, and I want to bring it back to your comment earlier about stress. I think I am more at peace now than ever in my career because I'm in this sharing phase. And instead of having to prove, and I can look back and look back with total transparency and just being, you know, kind of opening that kimono, if you will, you know, where maybe I was a little too consumed with proving and, and yes, winning, because I do like to win. You know, I like to win on behalf of the teams that I work with. Uh, and when you're trying to prove yourself earlier in career and make a living, et cetera, you know, maybe you can get the best of you you know, and you, you, you lose sight maybe of the bigger picture. Uh, maybe you're not quite as, as empathetic as one can be. And at this phase in life and at this phase in launching DVK to be very much in a sharing mode 
where um, it's not just about the business we're building, but the sharing of um, advice, counsel, perspective that I am personally have been giving to former clients, industry colleagues, people that I'm uh, meeting for the first time uh, who are in transition. Uh, it, it's, 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 the, it's the least amount of stress I think I've ever felt in my career. And, and it's a very, very, uh, it's both an energized time, but also a very kind of peaceful time, even in the midst of the, the craziness around us. Wow, that's a, that's a very simple way and very thoughtful way to look at that. The three trimesters of your career are learning, proving, and sharing. It, it, that makes me think there was um, one of my favorite authors, Derek Sivers, uh, has a rule. It's called the hell yes or no, right? And the idea is that when, when an opportunity comes along, if the answer is not hell yeah, then it's, it's a no. But there's a caveat. And the caveat that he states is that early in your career, you should say yes to everything. Right, right out of college, you say yes to everything. You never know where an opportunity, an introduction, like where it may take you. So say yes to everything. And as you grow into your career and as your unique skill set, your unique value, your expertise, what you do becomes more clear and defined, then the, there's a flip. And once you get to that certain level where now you can share, really, rather than try to prove, I guess, the idea is you don't say yes to everything. It's either a hell yes or a no. And so I really like the way that you broke that down or your, or your friend broke that down for sure. It's interesting. You know, something you said, Larry, which, uh, and I, I, I keep, keep, keep going back to it. You had said that you want your children to be um, proud of you. And I, I'm just curious. I, I often say the same thing. I say that at the end of the day, when I'm in the ground, I just want my kids to, you know, it's actually quite morbid, but I'm a, for some odd reason, I'm obsessed with my funeral. I already, I'm like, I know who's editing the montage, right? I know, I know how that's going to go down. And my wife's like, just stop talking about your funeral. Like, and I'm not terminally ill or anything, but my vision is that my funeral is going to be so big and all these people are going to be coming up to my kids and be like, Hey, I knew your dad from this. And that that will be the moment they're like, wow, he wasn't crazy. He actually was doing some good. And so, you know, what does it look like? You know, again, your, your kids are older than mine. Um, but what does that look like to, again, be on your own, wanting to instill this level of pride in the work that you do, but also be, you know, that have that pride built from your children. What is that looking like for you now? Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I answer that. I wanted to share something as long as you're sharing kind of, you're already planning your funeral. I already know what my tombstone's going to read. Oh, bring it. I'm still an optimist. <laughs> that, that sums up the Larry that I've come to know over the last few years to a T. Oh man, Larry. I love that, man. That, that is spot on. I would, uh, you know, you and I have only met, we haven't met families yet, but, uh, you know, I can kind of picture, you know, you engaging with your family. I've seen, you know, pictures on, you know, on Facebook or whatnot of you and the family, but I really do think that that's a, it's a unique lens to take. You know, you, you were, you were honest earlier where you said, Hey, maybe early on, I was a little too married to the work and I may have missed some things, but you always wanted to make that a priority. And everybody makes that kind of you know, that has to, you know, we get tugged into the meeting or this goes late and you have to really get that. It's just this idea of that there's a bigger, there's something bigger than the work, 
right? And I think you said, I'm, I'm married to the outcome, not the output. And maybe now when you said it, I wasn't clear on what it meant, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to make some sense of it here, meaning that you might get hired by company X to do Y. And you do why really, really well. And it helps company X do something and their branding is on point and their sales go up. And it, but mm -hmm. the bigger outcome there is that there is a sense of satisfaction in the work that was done. There's personal relationships that were built. You did it in a bold way, different than other people have done. And that perhaps maybe when you sit down at dinner that night, there's a little sense of, I did that goodness today. There was goodness put in the world. Yeah, I mean, you can look in the mirror and and know that you know you're you're doing the right thing. You're doing your level best. You know the old adage, right? That integrity is what you know what you do when people aren't watching, right? And mm -hmm. to, your, to your question about you know being a parent, my kids, etc. You know, I don't want to uh, uh, miss that question, and I don't want to go on too long. But look, you know. Um, First and foremost, uh, I'm not uh, who I am and I'm not the father I am, uh, you know, without my wife, Deb, you know, she is, you know, and, and we could spend a podcast talking about her alone and, uh, and I could do that. But, um, you know, being, being, um, just leading with integrity, uh, having a heart and soul, you know, being genuine, uh, you know, teaching them to stand on their own two feet, being there when they need you. And just teaching them the values. I don't want to pontificate about being a great parent because I made my share of mistakes. But you know what? I made it a point um, as much as I could, you know, to be there. I, I, I don't think I missed a PTA meeting. I coached. I refereed. I showed up for uh, class presentations. I remember one teacher said she knew about the concept of a creative portfolio and asked if any parents actually had one. And I said, well, actually, I do came to class and presented with a, a, a Fred Flintstone tie-on for just a little bit of comic relief <laughs> from the Cartoon Network because I was working with them at the time. But I just share all that, you know, and it's funny, fast forward, my wife, my, my, my two daughters went to the University of Wisconsin, my son went to Illinois, and my, my, uh, my daughter was in line uh, waiting to get into one of the, uh, the uh, taverns uh, at uh, Wisconsin, and one of the former students at the elementary school was one of the bouncers, you know, you fast forward. And he thought, he thought I did the Taco Bell advertising, the, the, the Chihuahua, you know, <laughs> okay. Yo Cara Taco Bell. And he, he, um, he, he was asking her about that. And he goes, your dad did the Taco Bell advertising, right? And she, my, my daughter, Karine said, no, I don't think so. And he goes, ah, he goes, well, he was a really good basketball coach. <laughs> but he remembered that, you know, and, and that's meaningful, right? And those things happen because you're there. And um, my gosh, you know, they, what they say, the days, the days are long, but the years go fast, right? That uh, is apparent. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, fast forward to today, what wonderful, you know, young adults and proud of them in every way. And, uh, you know, just trying to, to do the best we can as, as, as parents. And, you know, now as young adults, we get to hang out together. And uh, that's, that's where we get our joy and our social activities. So I'll stop blabbering on about my family because I'll get emotional. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, you, know you, you know, you come from a parents who have, you know, have family or small businesses. So I think those mm -hmm. roots, they, they just ground you in a way that is unlike, you know, uh, you know, other, other, um, you know, other ways of growing up and uh, doesn't make it better, but it, it's definitely uh, part of what I, I'm proud of. 
Yeah, the lessons, you know, what's interesting is I had heard something which was like, you know, um, so my father is first generation uh, in America. So his parents, you know, came from, um, my, my grandfather came from a small town that was on the border of uh, Romania and Hungary, Siget, uh, uh, Hungary. And over the years, some of my ancestors' birth certificates were Romanian and some were Hungarian. And I'd heard this thing and it said that the first generation uh, in America, they see the the hard work that it takes to put food on the table because their parents are the immigrants, right? So they know what that hard work looks like and what the struggle is like. Now the the second the second generation, they get the benefit of hey, some some foundation's been laid, and then you know might not be as much of a struggle. Yeah, but I don't see like the hard work of the immigrants. And by the third generation, they're almost like laissez-faire, right? But I think what's unique about both your family and mine is that those lessons those lessons of never, nobody's above you and no one's below you, but we are all just kind of one in the same. Those have transcended all those generations. And I think that one thing when I think about you, how we met, the discussions that we've had, I've been privileged to have since we've met, the work that I've seen you do, the bold work that I see you do, doing now at DVK is that, 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 that is the thread that is through everything that you've done, right? You weren't above me to say, hey, man, I know you want to talk to me, but I got to go be somewhere because you probably did, but you took the time to talk. You took the time to follow up, and, and here we are today. So, so thank you for that, and thanks uh, you know, from the generations that have come both before you and I. I think some gratitude to them for teaching us those lessons for sure. Amen, Mark. Amen. Well, you know how we end each episode. So uh, at the end of each episode, I ask the guests to fill in the blank, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, but fill in the blank. Larry Deutsch thinks differently about being bold. Being bold. It's on the front of your website, so it's definitely on there. Well, and just real, I mean, to, to talk about it quickly here. Yeah. I think I know what you mean, and I think anybody listening to this episode probably gets like where that boldness comes from. But today, on this day, at this moment in time, what does being bold mean to you? Yeah, you know, it's it's important to really uh, define that because there is a lot of uh, clutter. There's a lot of bombastic uh, uh, noise in in our world. Um, for us, it's not about being loud. It's not about being bombastic. It's not about being arrogant. It's about listening and being courageous and you know finding your you know authoritative you know voice and what is your bold stance and whether that's how you market your brand externally uh to how you affect change internally and really i'll bring it back to what you and this podcast stands for it's about you know how do you challenge the status quo and i think if there's a through line for myself and my partners is we've continually and historically challenge the status quo because uh, you just can't rest on your laurels. The, the, the leaders can't just be fat and happy and those scrappy, more challenger brands need to, they need to work harder. They need to be more agile and they need to take a bold stance. And that's so true today in these, this very purpose-driven world and doing that with authenticity um, and not just, you know, to try to be culturally relevant and uh, in touch with the times. So um, that's what it means for us. And um, find I mentioned this to you as we were, you know, on the break. It's as much about a mindset, Mark, as it is anything. So I think when we are looking for partners and collaborators, 
we're looking for those who have that mindset. If they're just looking for a transactional relationship, I need somebody to do my website or I need this, these tactics executed. It's not that we couldn't do it, but that's just not where we add the greatest value. Um, and those who really are trying to affect some positive change uh, and recognize that they need to find, you know, and are willing to, to be bold, either they already have that vision or they would use benefit or like some help to, to help articulate that. Um, that's, that's what we're about. So a, that is like a masterclass. Uh, not only, you know, it's funny is like what you just said, you could put the label of marketing on it or you could branding, or you just put the label of life on it, being genuine, listening, being authentic. Those are things that not only companies and brands should do, but what, what we should all do. So Larry, man, that is a, that is a perfect way to wrap up this, uh, this episode. Uh, is there anything that any of the listeners out there listening that they can help you with? Is there anything you need help with right now? That's uh, you know, so kind of you to ask. You know what? We're, we're just constantly uh, joined in meeting uh, new folks. You know, it's, it's such a fluid and dynamic world. If, if this has resonated with others, uh, whether they have expertise that uh, they would like to share and that could be uh, part of our, of our network, uh, or, you know, quite honestly, if they're in their own form of transition or, or looking for help in their own pursuits, uh, we're an open book and we're open for partnership and open for collaboration. So uh, I would hope that if, uh, if this has struck some notes and chords, give me a call, hit my LinkedIn, um, love to meet, love to help, um, and take it from there. And, uh, you know, any friend of yours, anybody listening to this podcast and is part of your community, Mark, I would be delighted to meet them and get to know them and, and help them in any way. Well, Larry, you just you just filled my gas tank for another quarter of work, man. That was so kind. Thank you for your time. Um, cheers to you, your family, and your continued health, wealth, success, and happiness. Thank you so much, man. You as well, Mark, and to your listeners as well. It's been a joy. I have the privilege of hosting this podcast and meeting and sharing so many amazing people with you all, but Larry to me just stands out. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you think differently about your career and about those three phases of your career, learning, proving, and sharing. And I hope that you do act like you own the place in everything that you do. Larry has just been an inspiration for me, a good friend, a mentor in many ways. And again, just the idea that he can come from these huge huge, huge corporate places in big thinking and now do this on a small scale. Uh, it's just really inspiring. Uh, if you ever get the chance, and, and again, Larry is offered, reach out to Larry. I'll make the introduction. Just let me know. He is the real deal. So again, thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you to Larry for such a, a deep and, and interesting conversation. This episode is brought to you by Littlefoot Coffee. Again, my favorite coffee company. Use promo code MARK, M-A-R-C, and you'll save 10% off your order. Or if you really dig coffee, become a Littlefoot believer and join their coffee subscription service and you'll save 20% off your first month of their coffee subscription service. And I hope you will. So promo code Mark at littlefootcoffee.com. As always, from Chicago, Illinois, this is Mark Hands inspiring you to think differently.